Hi everyone, welcome back to Post Credit Club. I'm your host, Noor, and today we're joined by my brother, Abdul, again. Want to say hi? Hey, yo! Yo, it's been a minute since it's been me and you, because last time it was me and my friends, and today it's just me and you. We're back at it again, same dynamic duo. Back at it again with the black... No, that's what What did you just say? Did you say black vans? That's not even how it goes. I know. I know. I'm just saying it's a dead meme. Yes, it is. Um, All right. So today our focus is going to be on Andor. Wrong. It's not Andor. It's and or. Like and slash or? Yes. Could you imagine if that was like uh, intentional? (laughs) (laughs) Bro, of all the names they could have come up with. (laughs) Imagine it was intentional and it actually has a deeper meaning. Well, look at Knights of the Old Republic. It's K O T O R. So Star Wars has a thing for these O R sort of names. K coat or and or. It sounds cool. I'm cool with it. So, all right. So the way we're going to be going about what am I trying to say? The way we're gonna do this review is because it's a TV series that we're reviewing as opposed to like just a two three hour movie. We'll just review the entire first season. Um, how about we start off with maybe like our expectations, just hearing about it, general thoughts, and then maybe we can go into like I mean, we'll go into spoilers right away. So this is a, this is not a spoiler free zone. This is totally going to be spoilers. I'm able. To, I remember to say that right off the bat. Thank God. Um, and what we'll do is one of the things about this show is that it sort of is structured into these sort of mini arcs. So maybe we can talk about each arc and how that. If whether we liked it or not and that way we'll i don't think we'll miss any details that we want to say right we will inevitably miss detail it's 12 episodes people and each one's like almost an hour long like there's no way we're covering everything if i did it we'd finish it take to the end of time yeah i mean but that's okay but i'm just saying for you and i like it'll be easy for us to get through as much as we can remember and appreciate everything that we liked because spoiler or not so spoiler alert we really really love the show which is why we're actually doing a review for it all these months later maybe i hate it you don't know i haven't given my opinion yes because i actually put an effort to hate on a show four five months after it released come on bro (laughs) okay you don't know well i do know so um okay in terms of general thoughts do you want to start or should i start Okay, um, general thoughts about this show and actually just expectations for this show. This is one of those shows that I knew right off the bat that people were going to underestimate. And it people did because I remember looking at the trailers when they first came out and thinking, wow, this has a very Rogue One-esque vibe going on, which it made sense because you have like a lot of the writing team and stuff from Rogue One doing this show, which I'm really happy about because Rogue One was a great Star Wars movie, a very different kind of Star Wars movie, which took itself very seriously and showed a very different side of the rebellion and the empire and all that. So I'm glad to see that we got more of that in this show and that the show isn't afraid of being its own thing and not sort of just... um complying to like the disney standard whatever because this is not just a show for little kids like this is definitely an an adult oriented show in the sense that it takes things like politics and characterizations and good writing very seriously it's very mature writing and it's just very refreshing to see when a lot of the star wars content we've been getting as of late hasn't been this mature and hasn't been as of this like high level quality so um 
right off the bat, I'm very happy that that's exactly what happened and that's the kind of product that we got from Andor. Um, I will say though that when the first episode came out, we, you and I watched the first episode together, but then we never really got a chance to watch the rest of the show until like a few months later. And I think that mostly came from word of mouth because we started hearing that it's actually really amazing because like the first few episodes are quite the slow burn. They really build up to what's happening in the show and what's happening with the rebellion and trying to really sort of light that spark of uh, for the rebellion. Um, another thing I'm going to say right off the bat that I really liked is how I mentioned we have these different arcs. I like that the show sort of structured and sort of broke it down into different arcs so that we can actually follow Cassian's journey um, even more easily. Like you, you can see where like there's certain points in his journey that um, have that sort of push him towards wanting to join and be a part of the rebellion more and more. So I like that you get these sort of mini stories where you're meeting all sorts of like different people and um, what how they contribute to the rebellion. I thought that 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 was something that I haven't really seen in other Star Wars properties as much because you don't get as much of a focus on other people's stories as well. Like this isn't just Andor's story. This is also the story of everybody else who wants to fight for the rebellion. And just to add on to that, another thing that I think what makes the show so different is that you see the rebellion in a much more like realistic light. You see that people have to sacrifice so much and do so much more than just, you know, being like, yay, the empire sucks and the rebellion's going to win. Like you actually have to put in the effort for it. You actually have to sacrifice a lot, your family, your whole, your life, like everything for it. So I like that the show really sheds light on that as well. Um, yeah. So what about you, bro? What are you thinking? At this rate, it sounds like you're going to do the whole review on your own. <laughs> Literally, you bring it away. You go on for minutes, my guy. For once, I go on for a minute, and now it's my fault? Uh-uh. You're breaking the status norm. Anyways, I, I generally don't have words because, like, off the bat, this is not a perfect show. I will put that off. I will immediately put that in bed. However, it is a great show. Like, I do have problems with it, but I think overall, I think it's probably the best thing that we've ever gotten, including Rogue One out of this whole Disney era of Star Wars. It's, in fact, I would actually argue it's probably the best thing we've gotten since Empire, which is which actually kind of crazy. But, like, the thing I like about this the most is that it's not focused around being a Star Wars show. And what I mean by that, now, for some people, as weird as it is, for some people, that's considered a breaking... Um, a deal breaker basically to where they're like okay it doesn't feature enough jedi it doesn't feature enough of the star wars lore that we're so used to because it feels too much like its own thing like too alien compared to what else we've gotten from mandalorian or any of the star wars movies but i actually think that plays towards its greatest strength because i feel like the greatest thing you could say about the show is you don't need to be a star wars fans to like this show however if you are a star wars fan it adds on to the experience of what has already been established so seeing like how the empire operates seeing like because the one thing like i've seen a lot of people say and i agree with this it actually made me fear the empire for once in like what Ever since Empire Strikes Back, like, A, they were formidable. And the other thing, like, I also noticed, like, this is a small thing, but stormtroopers were actually hitting shots. And when they hit shots, people died. And, like, there were actual consequences and stuff. Whereas, like, because I feel like the problem is in all these Star Wars movies, we always see it from the perspective of the Jedi. 
and the skywalkers and stuff and what that does is like certain things that should be threats are treated as really comedic elements so like for example stormtroopers and stuff we always see them missing shots and stuff but like when you see it from the perspective of like any old regular person in that world you actually see why the stormtroopers are as feared as they are and what i liked is that this show didn't delve too much into the fan service which is what i think no, I forget the director's name, but basically that's what he was going for. He, they're trying to avoid fan service and make sure that they were just making a good show before they made anything else. And what ended up happening because of that, they ended up making something that I think will, A, many people will go back to years later even and will be like, yeah, this story was really good and all that. And even those who were like a little bit lukewarm on it because it's not their typical Star Wars, I think even they'll start warming up to it. So there's that. Now, overall, like, some of the elements and stuff. I think some of the characters that they introduced, um, like Luthen, for example, I loved him, played by Stellan Skarsgård. Like he, he's that morally great character where it's like you love to root for him, but you also realize a lot of stuff he's doing is not good because, like, obviously it's very um, murky in terms of intentions and stuff. Um, I will say the one thing this show also did make me care more about Cassian. Because I'm like, when I saw Rogue One, I liked the movie. I just didn't care that much for the, any of the characters as much. So seeing this in com- in conjunction with what we saw in Rogue One, I feel like is going to be a good, um, a good like, if you're doing a binge-watching session or if you're doing, like, a marathon, I feel like this will add much more to the lore of Star Wars. And, yeah, it basically shows that not everyone wins in the end. Like, for example, someone like Luthen, he fought for this rebellion. He's not going to get to see the fruits of his labor, but... That's the reality of war. And that's what I appreciate most. It shows the reality of war in a Star Wars show, finally. Uh, Another thing that I will say is the writing of this show is so next level. And like I mentioned before, because they treat it so maturely, I feel like the writing pays off so much. Um, And not just writing like the characters in the story, but even like the dialogue. Like, you and I know there's so many iconic, like, dialogues and speeches that they do talking about, like, how rebellions are built, for example, or even why we need to rise up against the system. And the fact that the writing also really gets you to hone in on the system itself as opposed to just, you know, rebellion versus empire. Like, why, like, we should be focusing on why is there a system that, enable something like the empire to exist i like that the writing goes into that and you see that through different characters perspectives like nemec i think was one of the characters we met in like arc two i think um then you obviously luthan with his incredible speech in episode 11 or 10 the one yeah 10 where he talks about all the sacrifices he's had to make and how like you said he's never gonna see like the fruits of his labor um and even I'm pretty sure was there did Cassian oh no I'm also yeah I'm also thinking of Kino Loy from through Cassian in episode 10 I think during the prison break all really really good like well-written dialogues too that I appreciate because we also don't get that all that much into Star Wars nowadays I feel like um that and the acting. The acting on the show is also just next level. And I think it's also improved because the writing is so good. You have someone like Diego Luna who plays this very like... You can tell he's tortured and like he's playing like a very hesitant character where like he knows his morals are like more on the good side. But he just doesn't know... 
exactly how to contribute and also why he should be contributing to the rebellion but then you know the the situations that he ends up being in force him to consider otherwise why am i not part of the rebellion i can't just be a passerby i can't you know stay silent i gotta fight and you see that progression throughout the series and throughout like these arcs that they do so that's i think especially like because of the whole structure of that arc stuff that they end up doing these breaks with like every three episodes or so it's a new type of story but it's still progressing cassian's journey forward i like that they did that as you're seeing different points in cassian's timeline where he's really starting to reconsider his um stance on maybe not joining the rebellion at first yeah all of that i agree with um the other thing i would also say is that like coming back to that whole three what three episode structure for four four arcs basically it's it's a new structure that we haven't seen in star wars in any star wars tv shows as far as i'm aware but i think it's one that i wish disney would adopt going forward because what it does is um what what it does is unlike the eight like you feel like you get enough content for 12 episodes but at the same time like each episode like one of the pet peeves i've had of these disney shows both marvel and star wars you only get like six to eight episodes and they're only like 35 minutes each and most of the time some of them are even filler episodes so it's like i, f- I feel like not to say you should have, but like you could add more content on there and make it not feel like i feel like this is more like as much as i love andor as great as it is it kind of makes me sad to know that none of the other star wars shows can be now, i'm not expecting every star wars show to be as good but like this pretty much just points out to me all the shortcomings of all the other things that have come before and like like it's like Andor, as great as it is, like I said, pretty much just helps me realize that and makes me sad for that. The amount of times we've watched anything that isn't Andor after watching Andor, and the the amount of times you've been like, "Man, they should have done this the way Andor did." Like, it's so funny that it's become this new standard for us in terms of quality television. That it's that good, whether you're a Star Wars fan or not. That it it sucks that other TV shows, other material sourcement, like other ips out there aren't doing this wasn't it nominated for a a couple of emmys yes it was i don't know if it won but exactly i'm not surprised in the slightest exactly yeah just knowing that it has that level of quality and just insightfulness it's it's amazing um so i was kind of thinking as i mentioned before maybe we want to get into some of the like arcs maybe i don't want to do like a full yeah go ahead okay so while she was talking, I had a couple more thoughts. So one of the things I find interesting is that if you look at what the prequels did and what Andor did, right? They both have political elements into them. However, one ends up being a lot more interesting than the other, which obviously in this case, Andor, compared to the prequels. I think it's because they don't like uh, hammer you over the head constantly with the political stuff going on with the Jedi and stuff compared to what's happening in Andor I feel like it's much more balanced in that sense so like it's much more much more digestible so there's that and like even though the show doesn't have as many action elements I mean it does like episode six when they actually have the um so I forgot what's, what's the plan it's called Aldani yeah, Aldani breakout or whatever, they have that. Or episode 10 with the prison break. Like, they have elements of action, but, like, if as a viewer, if you're going in expecting, like, the greatest action ever, you're going to be disappointed. But the show's strength doesn't come from that. It comes from its, mostly its storytelling and its dialogue. Like, some, like here's the thing. Like, what I noticed on YouTube is that 
if you look at all the other Disney Plus shows, like here's when I knew this was different from all the other Star Wars shows, more so than what we already know. If you look at the Disney Channel, this is going to be weird, but when you look at the Disney Channel, if you look at all the other shows like Mandalorian or Boba Fett, all the scenes that they post on their YouTube channel have been all the action stuff. But for Andor, it's been the opposite. What they've posted are all the monologue scenes with Kino Loy. They posted the scene with Luthen. And yeah, some action stuff like that one scene in episode 11 where he's caught by the Imperial um, officers. So yes, but like major- the, I think even Disney realizes that the strength of the show comes from Dallas, which... It's funny because like even on Disney Plus, they're not even mar- they didn't even market it as much as they should because it wasn't showing up on the front page. It wasn't showing up anywhere. Like people had to search deep to find it. And I'm like, why would you hide this? This is the one thing people have been asking for so long. See, all this show does is just make me more angry about Disney's stupidity when it comes to handling this show, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, I get it. And like the thing with uh we keep going back to the structure. Like the structure is not the only thing about this show, but like um the structure works because there, if there's a character study going on of Cassian, right? Um, it wouldn't work for everything. So as much as we'd want to see that in other places, it, it, depending on how what the purpose is. But like I said, it, it's not the only thing that's about the show. Like the structure is not the only thing we should be focusing on. But it makes sense for what they're trying to do with the character. I feel like this structure is more, it lends itself better to stories where you're trying to flesh out characters more like properly. Exactly. And because we're not focused as much on action, we're more focused on the character's journey and stuff. It just makes more sense that we want to spend more time with them, Um, especially with Cassian, because we get to see him interact with other people. And these other people inform his own decisions inevitably and end up forming his sort of loyalty towards the rebellion as the show goes on. Mm -hmm. It makes sense, but it wouldn't work for like everything, right? Yeah, so kind of, um, do you want to start getting into some of the arcs and stuff? Yeah, okay. So yeah, basically, as a a quick summary, there's about four, three slash four arcs in this sort of thing. Episode one to three is kind of like the setup. Episode four to six is um, the Eldani attack. Episode, what, seven to ten? is the prison break and then episode 11 and 12 is kind of if you want to say epilogue slash finale of the whole season and stuff so kind of going into i'm not going to give a summary it's it's going to take way too long but like i think some of the things i liked in the beginning well actually here's the thing the beginning i like like kind of going into this i i heard good things about it and i was like okay this like I feel like it might have potential. If it, like when I heard it was being do- done by the same guy as Rogue One, I was like, okay, this has potential. So I started watching Episode One, and I was like, Episode One feels so slow. Like I remember, I was like, will I like this show? Will it be good? Like I know people like it, but will I like it? Episode One, I remember, was kind of slow. And then, but you, you told me that Episode Two onwards is when it starts to pick up a little. Like to the point where you're like, okay, you start to get on board more and more. And like, yeah, by the time I got to episode two and three, yeah, things started slowly picking up. But I feel like, as mentioned, like episode one was more so there. So you get get more of a setup of what Cassian's life is like and other things. But basically episode one's a setup episode, but yeah. Yeah, the first couple episodes are definitely more of like setup and especially for his character and just his backstory remember how in the first couple episodes they kept focusing on him as a child and him trying to find his sister like that really didn't go anywhere but i think the whole point of that is to show that he is a character that keeps looking to his past when he should be looking to the future that's what i took away from it um but then yeah once you get to 
uh, once you get to episode three, that's when things really start to pick up because then he's introduced to Luthen, played by Stellan Skarsgård. And um, that part was amazing because Luthen now sort of comes into his life and gives him a reason to maybe not fight for the rebellion, but at least do something for the rebellion. Um, I don't remember if it was because he needed... He well, just needed someone for the job at Aldani. Yeah, there was some. Jo- there was a job that needed to be done on another planet called Aldani, and so they they got Cassian to come and do it. But because of what he had to do there and the people that he met, Cassian then starts to go on a like that. It starts to change his mind a little bit. But that's but that's what the arc of episode four to six is. Episode three is just him meeting Luthen and him just sort of standing his own guard, saying, "I don't want to be a part of the rebellion. I don't want to do any of this." But then Luthen is, you know able to convince him otherwise and this is also the first episode i feel i feel like you also get quite a bit of action like remember the chains flailing and the anvils dropping out of nowhere and the blasters and everything that's when it really starts to pick up in my opinion yeah no exactly like 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 i said it's basically like watching four mini movies well i say mini but basically four movies back to back to back like you could effectively have an and or part one part two part three part four you could almost break it up like that but obviously they turn it into a series but yeah like i would say every third episode has like a big climax scene and that's like yeah now in some ways you could look at that as a bit repetitive because it's like okay you have build up build up build up big action scene build up build up build up big action scene but they're all like done in a way where i feel like the execution kind of is flawless or not flawless but basically like good enough to where i'm like i'm willing to overlook the repetitive patterns because i can understand what they're trying to do in terms of setting up the whole um experiences that anders kind of goes through so i get that but yeah kind of going back to the first um section or episode one like, when I said it was slow, this was one of my problems with the pacing, which I feel like it does get off to a little bit of a slow start. And for me, it's like I'm the kind of person where it's like if I'm not really hooked in the first, like, episode at least, I'm going to fall off. Now, luckily, because you were able to keep me engaged long enough, I was able to stick through to the point where, like, after a couple of episodes, I just kept watching, binging them nonstop over and over, like, just keep going over, uh, through each episode uh, on my own. And for me, usually it's hard for hard for me to binge watch something. Um, so the fact that I was able to for Andor is is a pretty good litmus test on if I like something or not. So yeah, I mean, Andor passed out with flying colors, but yeah, like, um, oh yeah, we also saw, what was it? His grandmother or his step surrogate mother, basically, basically the old, old woman who spoiler, she, she dies at the end, but basically the person who adopts, um, Andor, right? So you kind of see her and Cassian's relationship as well as that. What was the droid's name again? The red box one, the one who projects his mom in episode twelve. Basically, yeah, he's he's a. Um, you get to kind of see how he met, uh, and I think it was Cassian as well. They they also had like, but basically, it's like you kind of see like all the current things that um are associated with him in his life. You kind of see how that kind of came to be, how they met, how Cassian ended up where he is. Um, oh, the one thing I forgot to mention. Well, the one thing I forgot to mention. A lot of the stuff, not just the Empire was terrifying, but even seeing something as simple as a TIE fighter or like an, a Star Destroyer just flying past, that was actually scary. Like, like especially, I think it was, now I'm going a little ahead, but in the Aldani series, like there's that one scene where you see the, the TIE fighter just zooming past and it almost feels like a sonic boom went off while they flew by. 
flew by. And it's like, you don't really get that in any of the other Star Wars shows. Like, you actually felt like these are big. Because, like, when we say TIE Fighter, we're just like, oh, yeah, there's these big plane thingies that just fly around and shoot. It wasn't until then that I realized, okay, this is the kind of power that, like, the Empire has. Or these are the kinds of weapons that they have at their disposal. So it was things like these, these little things that made me actually realize what formidable or what a formidable force the empire is so there was that um oh the other thing i liked not i guess if you want to step forward is there anything you wanted to add about the first arc um i don't think there was oh oh yeah i there there were a couple of things um so i think we were introduced to bix was yeah bix um she was kind of like helping and or kind of was it, was it she was helping Andor? Yeah, she was helping Andor. So it's like you kind of get to know her a little bit better, which I liked. And obviously, as the story goes on, you get to know her character better. I hated the one guy. The one guy who basically ratted them out to the Empire. Tim, right? Yeah. So uh, when he got shot, I was like, I mean, I was conflicted because I was like, I hate you. But I'm like, I don't think you deserve that at the same time. But uh, what I liked was some of the things that they ended up showing, um, such as like, when the Empire was approaching initially to capture uh, Cassian, it was like you saw the townspeople kind of like wave those wind chimes or well, not wind chimes, but whatever these instruments were, I think there were drums or whatever. And it's like it, it was, I guess, I don't know if they're trying to go for police brutality sort of thing, because that's why I got where it's like there's this evil force and stuff. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reaching, but I kind of got this like people who abuse their power sort of situation. So I don't know if that was supposed to be a reflection on something in the real world, but I don't know why I got that. But basically, it's like they they land on the planet. They're trying to capture Andor. And it's like you basically feel like you find out that they're this organization that like they don't really give a crap, the Empire. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm rambling at this point. But basically, yeah, first three episodes I thought were slow. But by the end, I could uh, look over the slow. Um. Another thing you also see in the first uh, three episodes is that you actually see the Empire. Remember the guy, the security... Oh, shoot, what's his name? The orange-haired guy. Orange-haired? From security. The guy... Ah, I forgot his name. Remember, he wasn't that great of a security person. He was chasing Andor. Oh. I forgot his name. Yeah, yeah. I think, okay, his character is also very interesting, too, because you see him, and you see you see that he's trying so hard to track Andor down but what makes him dangerous is not the fact first of all he's not a competent like security officer so he basically gets booted after episode three right which makes sense because he's just you know he thought he won but he didn't but what makes him dangerous is that he's become so loyal to this cause of finding Andor that he's doing whatever he can to ruffle feathers and even that's dangerous He's with his mom. You see him living with his mom and his mom just being like, <laughs> it's just, I found it funny. Cause I was like, I thought dude was like on his own. It turns out he's living like in an apartment with his mom. So like he's pathetic, but at the same time, he's ruffling feathers, which is not like that's, that's scary in some ways. It's a very different take and a more, I feel like a um, nuanced take on the empire. You're seeing these different sides instead of just seeing like good guy versus bad guy, bad guys doing this, good guys doing that, you know? Yeah. So I, I like that. Uh, moving was that on. Is we that when we were introduced to the female? Sorry, it, it's been a minute since we saw Ender, but yeah, like, um, was that when we were introduced to the female empire officer? No, I think that was episode four. I think that's why I'm, I'm 
I'm going to start getting into the second arc then, which I sort of was like, that's like the Aldani quest attack, whatever. Um, so here, what I liked is that you're starting to see Cassian interact once again with like other people who are also a part of the rebellion and what they're doing in order to fight for the rebellion and why they're fighting for it like what are their reasons what are their personalities like and eventually like these leave an impression like these personalities leave an impression on Cassian and sort of inform his own um opinion on the rebellion as the show goes forward um you meet someone like Nemec who is like really serious about wanting to fight and he's written like a manifesto and everything and like he has such amazing dialogue that he talks about which I honestly cannot remember off the top of my head but all about how to build revolutions and rebellions and how do you get into people's minds and how do you rally people up and stuff that I think was a really great way to highlight the dialogue writing for example um then you meet someone like um skeen who he you can kind of tell like he was sort of there getting by like he did say that his um he was there because his brother died and so that kind of gave him fuel but then you find out by the end of episode six that what he said was a lie and he actually just wanted to betray them and get the money that they were going for from the aldani attack for himself which you know he paid the consequences for even you know uttering that um yeah so i like that cassian got to meet these people and it sort of allowed him to understand more what the rebellion actually is yeah um pretty much seconding everything you said but uh the other thing i also liked was in that scene like that was when i feel like we start to get more and more um i mean obviously like episode three like we got to find out who Luthen was and because effectively like he first Andor meets Luthen first just to get a part or like it was some MacGuffin basically I forgot what it was supposed to do but basically it was supposed to be some some MacGuffin or whatever but yeah like um in episode four you kind of start to find out a little bit more about Luthen's character where it's like he literally I think he told someone it's like who's the leader of the group the girl Okay, but basically, there's there's this leader of the group is, is the girl or whatever, right? She part of the Aldani group or whatever, right? So she's talking to Luthen, and I think Luthen even mentioned something about shooting Andor, like killing him. Basically, it's like because he might be no, no, no. Sorry, or this is further. I'm I'm getting my thoughts mixed up. But basically, there's a part where no, no, no. I'm I'm getting this mixed up. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, no. There's a part where um the leader whatever of the Aldani attack group i'm just gonna call them the guy like basically luton ends up explaining to her it's like oh why like she asked why should we trust him and whatever and then luton um he basically just explains yeah he's he's qualified he can end up helping you guys do all this stuff right and he brings on but the point i'm trying to come to this is a little bit for is that like later on he basically tells him like yeah like he knows too much like we might have to sh- basically kill him right and it's like it's one of those things where it's like damn yeah he's yeah he might be part of the rebellion but yeah he is a morally great character like he's gonna do anything to cover his tracks so he can fight fire with fire basically but you see on the opposite side of that Luthen is also the kind of character where he gets so wrapped up in wanting the rebellion to be successful that he ends up recruiting someone like Andor who isn't just like you can't trust him but you know he can get the job done at the same time so yes he regrets involving Andor in some ways because he thinks oh my god Andor is going to blow our cover later on which you know thankfully he doesn't do that but 
at the same time he doesn't loosen himself to say that like i got so caught up in wanting us to win especially with this aldani attack he doesn't have a choice though because it's not like he has like three million different ways to win he has one way to win it's either you trust this guy ask him to get the job done of infiltrating all or the aldani base or everything goes to shit which one would you choose i think most people would probably choose this no matter like how morally gray it is so there's that oh the other thing like kind of going on to the aldani uh, section so a couple of things i liked one was oh yeah they had that imperial officer who was in, infiltrating them from the in, inside or basically helping them have the inside job right so i like that because it kind of gave a little bit more reason as to how they're able to break in so there's that the other thing is I like that they kind of showed us, what was it, that one Imperial officer, his wife and his child or whatever. And it was like, it. I guess it kind of humanizes the, a lot of the officers in the Empire. Where it's like, yeah, they're following the Empire. But like, they have families, they have kids, they have all these, like, they're no diff- different. The only thing is they're just part of an evil organization. Right, but then remember how like the dad of that family, who's the actual officer, he was being super racist about like the people of Aldani, right? No, no, but what I'm saying is, like you, it adds on to the point that it humanizes them because that's something we all under see in the real world. You have these people who are in positions of power who are racist, and then you, you literally see him saying, like these people, these Aldani people, like let's just like get this, like you know, whatever ceremony they had getting over with. Remember? Oh yeah, they had the whole I forgot what was it? that that whole ceremony where they're like giving each other pelts and all that stuff. Like they had that, which was kind of cool. I, like. Awesome. Yeah, it's all surface. Yeah, like like I said, a lot of stuff that's happening is supposed to be an allegory for what's happened in, in human history. So, yeah, I, I, I can kind of see where the inspiration came from. But, like, to my point, it was like, I did like that they were ending up showing that. Because we never really see, like, I can't remember any other time they showed us the lives of just these Imperial officers. Maybe in, like, Rebels, Clone Wars. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But, like, from what I've seen in Star Wars, they never showed that. They showed the Empire's, like, evil people part of this organization and that's it and it's like okay cool but this at least added another dimension to him that i don't think we've ever seen before which i like and then another thing i liked when they actually performed the actual aldani um attack not everyone lived like was it nemec he died and he didn't even die because like he got shot he died it because he literally got injured with with whatever the sliding crate was and it literally slammed him right and then he slowly died and i'm like yeah it's very tragic but it's the reality not everyone's gonna have a heroic death not everyone's gonna be like oh shoot this person or someone's gonna get shot like sometimes you die from like the worst circumstances possible and yeah it was sad but it was realistic and i appreciated that I think one of the things I like about this arc is that by the end of it, you see that Cassian, he's starting to develop like a sense of loyalty towards the rebellion and also a sense of leadership. You see that when like when they're escaping and he he knows that Namek is injured and instead of just flying off, Cassian's like, no, no, we need to go to a doctor uh, and try to get him saved. Like he already feels for this guy who he just met a couple days ago. And he wants to make sure that he ends up being uh, being okay. And but then also there's like him finding out that Skeen was betraying everybody and that he actually just wanted all that money that they stole for himself. And instead of just, you know, being hush hush about it or like taking the money with him, he shoots him on sight, which was quite the jump scare in some ways because it just happened so quickly. You realize that, okay, he's actually sort of softening of it or not softening in some ways, hardening his heart. 
where he's understanding no 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 like the rebellion is more serious than this people can't just be doing it for themselves for their own selves like it has to be for a greater cause for other people as well right mm -hmm. that's one thing that i really liked about this arc and also while all this aldani quest stuff is happening then you get introduced to mon mothma oh, right yeah um so you're you're following mon mothma and luthan and all the politics they have to deal with on coruscant or i guess in some ways you can say avoid because what they're trying to do is they're trying to build the foundations of the rebellion but they're doing that without trying to get caught or persecuted so once again this ties back to the idea of how the rebellion to create a rebellion it's not easy and it requires so many sacrifices which you see with like mon mothma like her life her family life is like in shambles luthan has to pretend he's an antiques dealer just so he can get by but still have people communicating to him and so that him and mon mothma can communicate too even though mon mothma is surrounded by people who are constantly spying on her um yeah <laughs> uh yeah 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 no so yeah like um kind of to your point like uh with mon mothma like this is like the start of her because she like kind of goes through a character arc throughout this season as well or this first season because we know season two but like yeah like we're introduced to her we kind of see like what her life's like kind of how her life is basically like from a relationship standpoint kind of starting to fall apart and it's like even like politically she's not being taken seriously because of some of the policies and stuff that she's trying to introduce so like the thing I like is that the show kind of tries to introduce like, well, th well, the thing I like is that a lot of the things that we see in Star Wars, like the whole fighting and revolution and all this stuff that's happening, is not be happening just because people are doing it. It was like these people initially decided they didn't want to be part of it. They wanted to either deal with these problems either diplomatically through the political system or they wanted to deal with it just by of pure avoidance right and that's represented through cassian and the political aspect is represented through um mon Mothra, right but clearly those things aren't working in these scenarios so like they're just running out of options at this point to where they're having to do these unfortunately these under high uh, what was it underhanded tactics of like either um well i'm talking more so in mon Mothma's case where it's like i think embezzling money and stuff and trying to um fund the rebellion basically and all this stuff right and it's like yeah it's not the greatest thing because she obviously is not great but like my point is that like we're seeing slowly each of their options being taken away one by one to where they have no other option and they become radicalized right and it's like what i appreciate is that it didn't just start off with them being radical immediately it was just it was a gradual progression to the point where when they do get to that point you as a viewer are like i totally understand because everything else wasn't working so this is all you got and this just once again sort of showcases like the system itself being corrupt the system is what's stopping them from just being casual about it because the system keeps taking away from them it radicalizes them to where they are now yeah and uh, you spoke about Mon Mothma. The other person, like you said, was um, the Imperial officer that we follow. I, f I can't remember her name. Forgive me for not remembering the people's names. All I know is she's a female Imperial officer. So, like, what I appreciated about that was the fact that while the Empire is this evil organization, you have, like, you see certain aspects, like, you see different kinds of people within the Empire. So you see, um, like, like, for example, um, this female, this officer... Jip. I don't know her name, but like effectively uh you see her and you see how like 
it kind of it's they kind of have internal turmoil even within the officers themselves because they're either trying to undermine each other like that first officer she works with and meets it's like um the the whatever her name is um she basically dedra yeah dedra yeah so dedra basically notices that um like she's actually on to something in terms of like trying to figure out where Andor is or like where a lot of these attacks might be happening and stuff, right? But the other officer who she works with, she Blevin, right? Blevin, right? He kind of like tries to undermine her to his superiors being like, Oh, she's just coming up with stuff, it it doesn't matter, like all this stuff is gonna be like it like it's not one of those things like she's focusing in the wrong areas there's no rebellion that's starting like no 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 one wants to believe her right but it's it's funny that through her paranoia she actually turns out to be right and it is a rebellion that's starting throughout that but what i appreciate about it is the fact that like it shows more of the internal dynamics of how the empire operates not just from like because always we always see it through the top officials and we see it through darth vader and palpatine but we never see it through just some of the lower um entities that exist right and you even see it's funny we see well, well i forgot who's the uh, guy who got booted um cyril yeah cyril or whatever yeah security guy it's funny they literally show him working in an office and stuff so you kind of do see that like the empire is almost run where it's like you have office workers funny funny enough like i don't know why i want someone to make a comedy about <laughs> working in the empire but like working you remember that undercover exactly. boss sketch yeah you do the undercover boss sketch and you just you just like the different color in you just do that for this for the empire it'd be funny but like my point is like you kind of see more of the internal dynamics of how the empire operates and stuff and yeah that kind of lends itself to something better and I think that, like, in general, just because we're not focusing on Jedi versus Sith at all, which, thank God, we've seen enough of that. So I like that you're seeing that these are, for the most part, these are ordinary people also trying to push for the greater good. That you're not just following, you know, the chosen one who's meant to be, you know, all this, da, da, da. You know, no no hate or shade to Anakin or whoever. Just, I'm, I, this is a nice, this is a nice change in general so i like that in these in this arc we do get introduced more to the political aspect of it i'm not even saying don't introduce jedi you want to introduce jedi fine just stop focusing so much on the the skywalkers man like i okay i get it darth vader and palpatine are there i get it darth vader is anakin skywalker we know and we know luke skywalker we know all this stuff if you're a fan everybody knows all this stuff so that's why I don't need to be reminded about it every 30 seconds being like, yo, this person, uh, Luke is out there waiting or whatever. Like, I don't need any of this. And I'm so glad they didn't focus on it. To the point where they didn't even name drop Jedi or mention it once. They may have maybe talked they about. Yeah. Oh, they mentioned Palpatine once. Okay. But then like even. Yeah, I think they call him like Senator. Yeah, that's Palpatine. It. That's, that's it. Need. Exactly. And do they mention the force at all well if they said may the force yeah it might have been just like a may the force be with you but all the mystical stuff is totally out of this show it's very much more politically driven and the thing is like i see people like i mentioned it before like i see people who are like oh it doesn't feel like star wars and they take it as a negative i'm like we can have both things you can have shows where you focus on you can have shows like the mandalorian where you kind of focus more on like the existing elements of Star Wars or existing aspects of the universe. Like the Mandalorians, like Force users, like like all this stuff you can have. But you can also have shows like these, which kind of show you more of the common man's uh, in the, or common man's perspective in the Star Wars universe. Like you don't need to have the same. Because at, the, at that point, the universe just feels small. 
I know, like, the running joke is, oh, it's a Skywalker saga. And yes, yes, it is. But, like, just stop shoving it down my throat. All right, before we move on to the next arc, one last thing I want to talk about is that escape scene from Aldani. Oh. When they're escaping, it looks so Officially, flipping yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But then... I also almost saw it, saw it as like a bit of an allegory where like from far away, it's this beautiful, gorgeous thing. But when you're actually up oh, there, dangerous. it's dangerous. Yeah. Exactly what the Empire tries to show themselves off as, right? Like this sort of the correct order of how things should be. Yeah. But then when you really scrutinize and look at, look at it closely as we are on the show, you see it's a really bad system. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that too. But one other thing that just came to my mind, the cinematography in this section, like we're talking about this um, Aldani arc, quote unquote, I think was done perfectly because when they show the mountains and all that, like the the group or whatever, like they show them in the mountains and you see the mountains in the background and TIE fighters flying off. I'm like, this looks perfect. This is my, like, compared to like, you look at like, some of the other thing like some of the mandalorian stuff where it's done on a volume and stuff you can kind of tell that it's done on a volume and it doesn't it, it just doesn't look as good you see this and i'm like why don't they go and shoot more real on locations and things like that because when i saw it literally like i was like damn look at those like first it took like not that it took me obviously it immersed me but like it it looks so good and i'm like why can't we have more of this where it's like, just stop using the volume as well. That's another complaint I have with Disney on this. Like, just use your actual environments. It makes it look so much better. I think it could be a budgeting thing. I don't want to get into it all that. I want to focus on Andrew well, for I, now. I but you Mandalorian either has the same, if not more budget than this. Yeah, but Mandalorian also has just way more action in general. Andor is way more like monologues and dialogues and stuff. Because it looks so good, man. I know. Yeah, it really does. That's why I'm like, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that before we move on to the next arc. So nothing else for arc two, right? Uh, Not, we can get back to it if you remember yeah. anything. But okay, so then arc pre, arc pre, <laughs> arc three is pretty much the prison arc. So what happens is like, because Cassian, like he gets, once again, the system being dumb he AF. Gets captured. Not even, oh, okay. Yeah, there's a bunch of, okay. So the thing, interesting. So he, in, this show also proves that actions do have consequences. So because they had the Aldani attack, what that caused, like because of that, what it caused, like as a causation thing, it caused the Empire to become way more strict with their um, laws, policies, whatever, regulation, all that, right? And in turn, it ended up biting Cassian in the back. Yeah, and the prisoners in prison, like everybody, like they just became way more like, strict right the empire in terms of like who's going to uh their quote-unquote jail or prison or whatever right and what ended up happening well two things i find interesting one andor got caught but not for the reason you might think right like everyone thought oh he'd get caught because of the aldani thing no he gets just caught just for walking on the street or whatever and then that and then he gets sent with literally not a fair trial not no nothing like he's stuck in there for like six seven years quote unquote so that was interesting but the other thing um or whatever period amount of time um the thing i find so like the fact that he got captured for something that was like so minute was kind of crazy also you do see k2so in, in, in initially or like not the k2so from rogue one but you see k2so from like the model so there's that and then the other thing i find interesting is that um because the Empire started, like, tightening their grip on that, right? Like, 
yeah, they were successful in the Aldani attack, but unfortunately, because of them being more success successful, other people around the galaxy are now having to suffer for it. So you see that, yeah, they had this little victory, but there's also like other negative aspects of said victory that have happened. So it's like it w the goal wasn't just to get the victory. Like it wasn't just the fact that they got the victory. It also makes you contemplate may should they have even done this in the first place because of what we're seeing happening to other people around this galaxy, which I appreciate as well. It wasn't just we win. That's it. Everything's good. Once again, tying back to the whole sacrifices have to be made for the rebellion. And sometimes those sacrifices are unintentional or, you know, for people who don't even know they're being sacrificed for the greater cause. Mm -hmm. So rebellions, it's messy work, but has to be done if you really want to push the status quo, right? Yeah. Um, so this is where I feel like the writing of the show starts to shine like on a totally different level. I've been saying that already so much, but like... I think what I'm trying to get at here is that so Cassian because he ends up getting captured for no reason and he's sent to prison where he has to work in a plant for 14 hours it's like pretty much just basically hell for him right I feel like this is where he becomes really radicalized because for example he sees how unfairly like the prisoners are being treated and how most of these prisoners just like him didn't even commit any actual crimes like they're just sort of there and then remember at one point there was something that went wrong in one of the um, departments. And so they actually killed everybody off just so they can hide the fact that you something didn't went. See that, you didn't see them being killed, but that was what was being implied, right? That like prisoners from another like sect or whatever were killed off just because of like a small minute error within like the system or something itself, right? Mm -hmm. And so once again, that's them. That's the empire trying to hide their corruption. These lives don't matter. Like these prisoners' lives don't matter. Innocent people who didn't do anything, they're just there. Okay, yes, I agree. But this was one of the things I wonder when I saw this. So not everyone in that prison was a good person. So I feel like that could also be a thread going into season two where it's like maybe where it's like, okay, agreed. A lot of the people that are in there are wrongfully put in there. But some people might have actually been there, should have been put in there um, because obviously they may have committed hate and scrap. I'm not saying the Empire is great or anything, but some people may have just might have been put in there because like they actually did something bad, right? So I wonder... I doubt it's going to come back, but I like one thing I hope they do in season two and maybe kind of address that where it's like, uh, like if you're bad, like and or yeah, you let out a lot of good people, but you also let out a lot of bad people potentially because like I, I find it hard to believe that every single person in that prison was a good person. I, I can't like it doesn't work in prisons in the real world. It, I guarantee you it won't work like that, even though they were being mistreated. So. That, yeah, that was basically my point. So, I don't know, maybe they get to it. Um, if they do that, they could either do that or they might go into more of like a prison reform kind of storyline where they're maybe yeah. looking at, you know, instead of having these people as prisoners, the bad ones, you might be looking at rehabilitation as opposed Not to prison reform. Not in the empire, but I'm just saying, like, if you weren't, if you wanted to somehow focus on these prisoners that we don't ever really see ever again, maybe that's another thing that the writers might do because i'm just saying in terms of like what people want to see like in the writing of the show and like you know taking inspiration from real life or whatever um yeah, we're introduced to kino Loy. then yes we're introduced to kino Loy, played by the amazing andy circus so, who what would you say no 
Snoke. Yeah, you said it in such a weird way. I was so confused. Yeah, he also played Snoke in The Last Kino, Jedi. Look, Kino, Kino Loy. And then got reincarnated. Ha, yeah, that's the fan theory. Um, so this is a really cool character because Kino Loy, he's this manager of like Cassian's sect. And he's basically trying to get all his shifts rid of. Like he wants to finish up his shifts and you know be released because that's what they're being told that if you finish up all your shifts you're gonna be released you'll be free they find out that that's not true and oh yeah now i remember what the the mess up which made which got the other prisoners killed was that they accidentally reset their numbers or something and then they got killed i think right so it was something like that they accidentally uh, reset the number of shifts that they had left and i think the people got mad or something and then that sect got killed and they you know wanted to um cover up this clerical error but um yeah anyway so kino loy he's totally just like okay let me just do my job i don't want to mess around i don't want to think or i just want to get out of here but then he also becomes radicalized when he sees that one of his co-workers remember that old guy dies of old age age, and the doctors that are around don't want to they basically euthanize him they don't even like give him a chance to like actually be saved and that's and like that doctor is the one who tells them that like yeah the empire like killed not the empire but like this is the prison whatever people killed this extra set of people and that's what sort of pisses him off and he's like okay yeah remember that dialogue when so cassian in this entire episode keeps asking him we need to escape we need to get out of here how many how many guards are there on this floor kino doesn't like answer that question until the very end when cassian realizes okay he's also like on my he's also like understanding what i'm seeing now and that's when he finally replies 12 at the very end of episode 9 i think what a great no, that floor. Oh, that floor. Dude, dude. <laughs> no, no. Exactly. Uh, and then you get the amazing episode 10, which is the prison break. But Okay, fine, fine, fine. Go, go. So before we get to that, before we get to that, so the thing I find interesting is, like, there's a bunch of stuff that we missed. So first, I've never seen Flora's Lava be more, more scarier than I have ever seen in this show. Okay, they literally step on the floor. I've never been more scared to put my feet on the floor than when watching this show. Like, I remember when I was watching it, and what was the thing? Like, because basically, okay, for those of you who haven't seen the show, they he gets sent to prison, Andor gets sent to prison, right? And in this prison, it's a very interesting prison in the sense that, like, you're not allowed to wear shoes or anything, right? And your feet are constantly touching the floor. And the thing is, if you misbehave, that floor is lined with some sort of material that basically electrocutes you right it's basically electrical there electrical um shock waves that get sent right and it's just pain beyond belief right so like it's interesting that's an, it's effectively floors lava right so like i found that very creative and then you kind of see the, what i also like like then you kind of see what the day-to-day is like for these prisoners right what they do what the, what they're working on or what they're building and stuff the thing is in the beginning you actually don't know what they're building you're just seeing like these big components and you're like what is this that they're making like what like you see everybody making it and for me like you find out at the end obviously what what it is but like in the beginning i couldn't put put the dots together on what it was i was just like what what is this thing that they're putting together or like these components I think that's also meant to be a bit of a commentary and just the fact that they're just making them do meaningless labor that at least to us means nothing until you see the until end credit scene. Yeah. 
until you find out what it is, which I'm like, I don't think Star Wars ever had a post credit scene, but I'm like, I was totally fine with this one happening because it's like, it's totally justified in terms of what it means. But like, yeah, like you kind of see some of the operations of how things are going. Oh, you kind of see, um, what is it? Oh yeah. You, you kind of see them. What was it? I saw them trying to like break, cause the water to leak in the washroom and stuff. Cause they're trying to break out. So you kind of see like there's certain individuals in there who are already trying to find ways to break out, but they haven't obviously yet. So like you see that, which is kind of interesting. Um, oh yeah. Kino Loya. It's like, like, like my sister said, basically like he kind of, um, is the kind of person who's just trying to do his time so they could get out of there and then, I don't know, whatever. Go and do whatever it is that he needs to. We don't know if he... Does he have a family? Okay, we don't know if we have family. But um, effectively, like, he's just trying to get out of there, right? So what happens is that, like, as a leader of all of those prisoners, um, you kind of uh, understand that, like, he, in a way, he actually tries to look out for his men, like, to prevent them from, like... Like, by having them all stay on program, quote-unquote... He kind of prevents them from getting shocked or like having more pain. So you kind of do understand he's just looking out for the best of his men. Now, unfortunately, he can't really have a pacifist view because he kind of get he gonna die basically. So it it I did appreciate that about him, and it kind of falls into that whole thing like him, Mon Mothma, Cassian. Everyone's very well, not Mon Mothma, but him and Cassian basically have the same mindset initially, where they don't want to be involved, but then they're kind of forced to be involved. So I I do appreciate that. Um. Some of the other things I'm trying to remember. Is there anything else that we should probably talk about with the prison break stuff? Like, I know we're going to talk about episode 10, which spoiler alert is probably one of the best, if not the best episode. But is there anything else? Oh, yeah. This is the scene. Uh, well, this is the section I was talking about where it's like Luthen after the Eldani job, he kind of tells one of his, not I say henchmen, but basically he tells him like, they need to find Andor and basically go and kill him, right? As a way of covering their tracks. And yeah, this is the point I was trying to make. It was like, this is where you kind of start to see, like, yeah, he kind of talks the talk, but he also walks the walk where it's like, yeah, he will shoot someone. He will kill people if he has to, to achieve his goals. So there was that. And yeah, that, that's, I think that covers it. Yeah. And then I guess we kind of get more um, progression with Deidre. She kind of figured out more and more because like that Aldani attack kind of gets her more curious about what's going on. So there's more of that. So, yeah, I think that's it. OK, now let's go to the good, like the best part. I think I think everybody will agree. Whoever likes Ander, episode 10 is probably the best or 12. But episode 10 to 12 is probably the best part of the show. So episode 10, for those of you who don't know, is when they actually break out of the prison, which let's face it, like. <laughs> who actually thought they were going to be in that prison for like forever no no like it, the, if, if you've seen rogue one you knew that cassian wasn't in there so obviously he got out and what i like is that the show doesn't really create suspense in oh will he get out i think everybody knows he'll get out the more important thing is a how he'll get out and b what kind of impact this will have on the viewer which i appreciate because the show doesn't really spend time toying around with that notion of like will he get out or won't he get out like obviously so yeah, like kind of the the prison break was amazing because a casting kind of got like you kind of see what it took for them to even get out of the rooms. So it's like unfortunately, like a lot of the prisoners did have to die, and that's where the whole sacrifice theme comes in, right? Like a lot of the prisoners just even climbing what was it that platform that kept on lowering in the rooms 
to like bring them to the their ground level and stuff you kind of saw like a lot of people trying to climb that they died um a lot of the people even just um they got shocked because the the they kept shocking the floors or whatever while people were trying to climb and even the water because by then they like cassian and the other guy they basically had like water coming in to short out all the circuits and stuff so a lot those uh, some of those people died um yeah so like as mentioning yeah there was that uh let me get more of my thoughts my sister has more um to add to what you're saying about people dying now what i find interesting is that a lot of the times when we watch well, pretty much anything. We're pretty desensitized to violence. Mm-hmm. So when people die, people die. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But for us mm-hmm. to even actually remember, this, these people died in this scene. These people died in that scene. It just goes to show how much the show wants you to care about anybody and everybody. No and that lives, no matter how small, exactly. Because lives are lost. And because they have that mindset from the get-go, every time you see even one person die, you're like, oh my god that's sad because that could have been anybody that could have been me if i was in that situation yeah and exactly like and kind of going to that point like this is a bit of random but do you remember the point where do you remember the point where um kino is giving the monologue and it's like he's basically telling everybody to help each other get out of the prison and stuff like as he's saying that there's a scene where people are running across and some of them fall down right and i'm like in that moment i was like even in situations like those you still pick people up like his, the point, his point he was trying to make was even if someone falls and stuff, you still help them pick up. Like, don't just think about yourself, help others and stuff. So a bit random, but th- that was what was going through my mind in that moment. So there's that. Now, actually going into like the way they broke out, I, I, I thought was great because like the second they get off like their rooms and like they start going into the hallways and start infiltrating them, right? Well, first of all, I, I wonder, why didn't any of them wear the actual boots? No one wore boots. I was like, bro. No, they were right there. Like, they took guns and the boots were right next to them. They didn't wear them. But whatever. Okay. So they started, like, they started uh, arming themselves, right? And, like, basically starting to breaking their ways out. And, like, it's only 12 guards versus, like, hundreds of prisoners. Like, what are those guards going to do, right? So... And then they end up, oh yeah, um, and then this is my most favorite part of the whole show, when they end up in the control room, where um, Cassian and Kino, they both end up in the control room, right? It's funny, like, throughout the whole prison break scene, you just see guys on the, on the um, PA speaker or whatever, and they sound, like, so intimidating. You actually see them in person, they're, like, the most smarmy, like, lanky, like, weak-looking people, right? And it's like... It's just like they like it's like basically it kind of goes to that whole thing. The empire tries to portray itself as big and stuff. When in reality, they're not really all that imposing. And if anything, um, the thing with the empire is that like if you band together, I feel like that was the first moment where you realize if you band together, the empire is not that scary. Like you're only as scary as we make them out to be. And like because of that, that was the first moment where it's like when people started uniting, you're like, yeah, I could easily see this in the future leading into what led into episode four five and six in terms of why the rebellion is there and all that stuff so i appreciated that but the one scene i appreciated was <laughs> it, it was cool like when they literally pointed the gun at the um one of the empires uh, or empire, one of the imperial officers right even in that moment all that officer they don't they still don't take them as a threat like they have a gun pointed at their heads they're like 
And in their mind, they're like, oh, yeah, these guys won't do anything. It wasn't until Kino shot that one guy, then they started listening to him. So I, I was like, like, like as a viewer, I'm glad they did that because it made me hate the Empire more. But it was also an interesting touch that I found. But then I think we got the like the peak, 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 which is when Kino gives his um, monologue. And yeah, I mean, I think that combined with another monologue later in the episode are probably the two best monologues in Star Wars ever. So that I appreciate it. Oh, and I think, is this the part where Dedra finds Bix? I think so, right? So yeah, this is the part where Dedra finds Bix, right? And they start torturing her, right? By putting the screen, some screams or whatever, right? First of all, I think the actress did that great because like, I don't think she actually heard anything, but the way she was able to portray the, the fear and the pain that she was going through, I was like, okay, this is what makes the Empire scary. And the guy who pretty much like puts her through that torture, he's so nonchalant about it. He's so casual, but it's like, oh yeah, this is just his torture device to help him just make you go through. So I was like, wow, like... That 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 I follow like was another great scene. But yeah, when he gives a monologue to kind of rally everybody, and then you kind of see in parallel with this monologue, people starting to walk out and run outside. Like it kind of just makes it feel more powerful. And me as a viewer, in that moment, I kind of like felt rallying around them, where I was like, "Yeah, like I've been a part of this rebellion too. Let's go!" Like it actually made me want to like, <laughs> it almost made me feel like I was a part of rebellion. But yeah, like it was that was great. The the thing that kind of made me sad was at the end, like to jump, like they basically had to jump into the water because there was no way of getting down, right? And then at the end, like Kino, he basically says that he can't swim, so he's stuck in there, and you don't know what happened. Like we don't see does he jump? Does he is he stuck there? Or does anything happen? Like we don't know. Do the guards get him again? So it's like the and then what you realize is that like. He was also hesitant. Like, one of the reasons he might have been hesitant is because he knows there's no way out for him. Like, not through a traditional means. Um, like, he... Even, and despite that, despite the fact that he knows he can't swim and make it out, he still decided to do it, which are, like, just makes it even more tragic. So, yeah. Okay, so while you were talking, I was looking up, like, the monologue that Kino said, right? And I think, is this the one line that... Um, Cassian also said an episode before and he borrows it and puts it yes. in his this is I think was it the one I where he said I would rather die trying, trying to, to take them down than giving them what they yeah. want and that is exactly what happened and and that's my point that's the whole aspect of where you see Cassian's leadership showing where it's like he's able to whether he wants to admit it or not he's able to implant ideas in people to get them a, a part of revolution what I don't know if the, he whether he intended to or not and the best part is that in that moment, Cassian isn't the star. Cassian is not the one that takes up the part to actually tell people, let's get going. He gives that to Kino Loy because he knows that it's going to be a lot more passionate and more powerful coming from Kino. Someone who literally just had this like change of heart within like the last not day that, or so. He's also a manager of a thing. Like not just that, he's also a manager of the people of his group or whatever. So he's more likely to be taken seriously. And he has, like, that authority anyway, like you said. So I like that there's moments, and this isn't the first time, like, you see it's sort of in episode 12, too, just in terms of focus shift, where, like, Cassian sort of steps back. He knows it's not his time to shine or anything. He's not doing it for any of that. So I like that he does that, and he's like, no, you have to talk. Why should I? You are the one who has to make the plea to everybody. Mm -hmm. 
and it works because he speaks from his heart yeah. and what he sees and what he has come to realize about the empire and this prison system mm-hmm. so yeah him going i can't swim was one of the most heartbreaking lines ever like it's two simple words like three simple words he goes i can't what do you mean i cannot swim he says i can't ah whatever okay yeah but you know what i mean you know what i mean it's super super heartbreaking because he goes through all this he gets so close to the end and then he can't swim and that's it his fate is sealed they could have still like he could have had someone like pull him along or whatever i i I don't know about like my mind okay my heart says one thing my mind says another my heart says yeah that was heartbreaking but my mind is like I'm pretty sure another person could have like helped you along while you swim. Cassian could have helped him along while he swam. So. I think the point is that. No, that's what I'm saying. Is not the point. Like, yeah. Just my mind just being my mind. That's just my mind being my mind. I think it's because we've come to love the character, so you don't want them no. to be dead. But, but the thing is, this know. happens. Thing is, we don't know if he's dead. Yeah, sure, he could come back, but like, there's no point in having to bring him back like that unless he has like another well, integral so. i know but unless he has like a very integral role to play in the future seasons of cassian i mean of, not cassian, okay. of andor or if he has a much more but if he has like a more integral part within the rebellion itself mm-hmm. sure maybe it makes sense to bring him back but if it is that is, is that's fine because that's also showing yeah i'd rather they don't touch it i think it was done like beautifully mm-hmm. um let's talk about that second monologue with luthan oh what a beautiful monologue and it's all about wait hold on let me talk for a second real quick all i want to say is what i love about this monologue is um okay this is the part that's the best so he says what is my sacrifice i'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them i burn my decency for someone else's future i burn my life to make a sunrise that i know i'll never see and to me, I feel like that's a cool reference. Also, it's like Luke and like the two sons. Like when he first realized he needs to be part of like the rebellion. Like, but then there's also, and then he goes, and the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. First of all, you can't say it like that. You have to say it with the passion that Stellan's car says. He's like, oh, I burned my life. Oh, I'll never see anything. Oh, my ego is turned asunder. No, I burned my life. That's how you guys say it. Okay everything that's it you have to put everything in it i'm rolling my eyes so hard you get the point the point is the writing the acting in that scene god tier level oh my god good it's so good man i'm like yo this is the star wars that i've been waiting for i'm not look admittedly i'm not the biggest star wars fan but he, like this is the kind of thing that i'm like yo this gave me hope i'm like just get this guy to make everything Nah, nah, nah. But, like, just get it. Like, honestly, beyond Andor, I would love to see him either be maybe something as a creative director or something. Like, as a... You know how John, how John Favreau kind of was, like, running the Mandalorian stuff right now? Maybe get him to do something along those lines. By him, do you mean, like, Tony Gilroy and, like, his yes. writing team? Yes. Oh, okay, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would love to see him do more. I know right now they're focused on Andor Season 2, which, which I... Yo, let's flip and go. Um, but yeah, that that monologue to coming from Luthen, it's it makes sense because this is someone who's been fighting for a while and he's being questioned by someone else who's like, Why do you do what you do? Like there's so much at stake and you're losing so much. Like, why do you do it, right? Yeah. Uh, agreed. Like second all that. But this is when I knew this was a really great show. 
because the scene right before it is when is the whole them getting out of the prison and running away, right? So when they cut away, right? Everybody, I know everybody's first reaction was, "Come on, man! How can you cut away?" This is when like we were, it was getting good or whatever, right? Because that's what I'm pretty sure that's what you were thinking. That's what I was thinking. I was like, "How could you cut away from this? This is where the good stuff was happening, right?" But then they followed up with the Luther monologue scene, and then literally seconds later, you're like, "Oh, thank you for keeping the scene here." So when a show can do something like that, where it's like initially you're like, "No," like it does something, like you first think is bad. Because it's like, oh, you're cutting away from something that's good. But then it serves you something you didn't expect, but gives it and to where later on you're like, oh, I know I didn't expect this first and I didn't want this at first, but I'm glad it's in here. That's when I knew the show was like beyond like most beyond what I've seen for most other of these Disney shows. So, yeah, great episode. I think the highlight, the I think honestly the best episode in the whole uh, season um just the monologues crazy good story crazy good everything crazy good and then afterwards like because and then as a viewer you're like okay how are you gonna top that i remember that was the first thing i asked once the episode was done i'm like how are you gonna top that and i don't think that's the point i don't think the point of episode 11 and 12 is like to top in monologue like to give you like even more shakespeare level doubt even though i think in episode 12 they kind of do but like i don't think that was the point i think like the point was to like just be like okay this is a high in terms of your emotions now we're gonna bring it down a little just so we can kind of keep things a little bit more mellow until we get the finale and then you get that kind of rebellion basically yeah you get the origins of the actual rebellion so let's like start transitioning into the finale because we've already been going on for nearly an hour 15 minutes um with the finale then one of the things that i liked even leading up to the finale is that you also get some scenes with cassian's mom um marva and even she's inspired by what's happened at Aldani, like a lot of people have. And she doesn't even know that Cassian's yeah, involved, yeah, which is yeah. so sweet in some ways. But like, she's inspired and she's like, I want to fight, even though this woman is like this close to her deathbed. But like, I love that. And then she passes away, right? But her passing away becomes like the symbolic like thing mm-hmm. for everybody else within that community, but especially I- that funeral. I-, I appreciate that she passed away because like the Empire was there and they were searching. I appreciate the fact that it wasn't like, oh, she got shot by the Empire or she, she like got tortured to death by the Empire. No, it was just simple. She just passed away of old age, which I I think works way better. But yeah, going back to your point. Um, yeah, no, I was just saying, I, did, like, I was just sort of getting to the finale and like the funeral and stuff and how that also they sort of... Drums? Yeah, they, they remember the march. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Like that whole episode 12, especially when you're seeing how other people also become moved by it because what happens in the funeral is that even though she's dead like she's already made some sort of speech that gets projected and everybody's seeing it and she's just like basically in without swearing i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna swear i'm gonna swear but basically she was like yo screw these motherfuckers like get go after the empire kill them like fight them can you cannot just stand still like she's like i regret like standing still for way too long and not doing anything in fact, one of the kid, in fact uh, I, I forget who it was but one of the kids i don't know if he made a bomb or something yeah, yeah. and because his dad i think ended up getting captured by the empire right so like it, it was all these seeds that had been planted throughout the show like it's interesting like all because the show focuses on that one town quote-unquote in the um show i forgot what was the town called ferrix right because it focuses on ferrix right and you kind of see like 
small tidbits here and there of each person. What happens is that when it all culminates in episode 12, where it's like like that one kid building the bomb or um, who is it? The guy who was helping Andor. Uh, he's working with Andor. Um, he looked like a construction worker guy. Like he was there with Marva or whatever. Him and Bix. Oh, um, ah, shoot, what's his name? But basically, like, yeah. like, like all of them, like all of this rage has been boiling up to the point where it kind of just tips over and then they just start fighting the Empire. And then at that point, yeah, like when 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 um they start fighting back, that's when the empire starts to retreat because they realize, or not retreat, but like basically like they start to feel resistance, and that's where like that's where the actual rebellion part comes in that they've been talking about, or at least the origins of the rebellion. And and then you have Deidre and Cyril basically just running for their life, which I found interesting as well because like with Deidre's character. All this time she's been preaching about, oh, we're the Empire. Like, she, she focused on the Empire's cause and all that. The second they feel a little bit of resistance, they start running. Like, she's she basically can't, in a way, because, like, I don't remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're, like, she almost feels overwhelmed in that scene, doesn't she? Like, and that's why, like, she has to be saved by Cyril, which I hope they don't turn into a romance, man. Don't, don't do that. But basically, like, she gets overwhelmed in that moment because she's probably, A, not used to this seeing this level of uprising because she's probably just always used to the iron fist that is the empire so like kind of seeing that kind of got her rattled up and stuff but it kind of shows that she like while she may be competent she's still inexperienced so i feel like we're gonna get more of that development further on in um in the next season basically one thing i appreciate about the finale which like kind of goes back to what i was talking about in episode 10 is that once again Cassian is not the star of this finale it's everybody else it's all the other characters you've been seeing all the characters where you're like okay that person like why why do they keep showing this person it like it all comes together it all makes sense and it's everybody finally understanding where do they stand when it comes to rebellion versus empire because you cannot be passive anymore you have exactly you have the empire coming and raiding your town and acting like bullies are you really gonna just stand and do nothing or are you gonna like act like you know rise up to against it so i love that they that's the writing choice that they went with because it makes more sense and the only thing cassian's really focused on in this episode is saving his friend bix which i'm like yeah that's great once again show is about him but the show is also not just about him okay it's saving bix and obviously attending his mother's funeral. yeah duh but i mean he's not doing any of the resisting it all starts from the other people right um the other thing I forgot to mention is that we kind of like we see like while so the, the other thing I liked is while you see the speech of Marv Marva right while it's going on while we see the speech of Marva going on we see it from everybody's perspective and kind of see what they're thinking so obviously you see it from Deidre's perspective Andor's perspective and that's yeah I was about to get that we see it from Luthen's perspective and what it does is it actually gives him a bit of a change of heart or hope right basically being like okay maybe all of this was for something Maybe all the sacrifices, all the um, problems, all the internal struggles might actually lead some to something good. Now, us as viewers, we know what it leads to. But for someone who doesn't know, who has no idea, who's been doing this with no guarantee that anything, any of this will pay off, like to actually feel at least a little bit of a sense of hope that people might actually, he might actually see his vision that he um been uh, planning out ever for like what 15 years or ever since the empire took over there's that right um oh and then and then uh final thing it's like or i say final thing but basically like at the end it's like 
like Luthen's he kept talking about oh we need to find Cassian we need to find Cassian lo and behold he's literally standing right there because he's like what was he like he's basically like I want to join the rebellion at the end right that was, correct me that was what it was right yeah so it's like this whole season like after Eldani he was trying to track him down so he could kill him yeah, and then Cassian just comes back, and it's like all of a sudden he's just right there on his doorstep, and it's like, okay, I want to join. At that point, I think uh, Luther knew that okay, he's not just some guy who's gonna rat us out. While all this is happening, I gotta give my girl Mon Mothma some love because of what she did, which was so clever. She really finessed the system. She basically ends up like um, framing her husband for embezzling money mm-hmm. th- because she knew her husband was being a total d bag anyway. And not being supportive of her and just totally like shunning her from like all the, you know, socializations and all that kind of stuff. Right. So basically, so I'm like, that was amazing that she did that. But also sucks in some ways because now her family life is totally gone. And the Mon Mothma that we've seen like in other properties like Rogue One and all that kind of stuff, we know she's very heavily involved with the rebellion. And you see that this is a start of that because now she's basically able to escape and she blames down her husband's quote unquote gambling, which sure her husband might be a gambler but in this instance it, it was her and she just took it like she was you know took that to uh, she took advantage of that is what i'm trying to say so that was very clever of her and i cannot wait to see what they do with her in season two right. and um yeah i don't know what more to say that we haven't already said about the finale and even the rest of the show once again like oh sorry what were you saying oh, no no another random thought i was talking about episode 11 of um where where luthen gets taken over what was it the the he gets stopped by the empire and he literally turns someone called it a lightsaber it was a lightsaber lightsaber ship basically because he has the two things sticking out at the side do you do you remember where it's like he he he's in space or whatever and like he gets pulled oh, over yeah, right yeah. it's like oh. someone called it a lightsaber ship because he has two lightsabers sticking out on the side that was a really cool aerial battle in episode 11 with luthen against like those security officers you don't get to see too many aerial like you don't see many aerial battles we like many like in the show but like that was one of the really really cool ones so i was like wow he really finessed them and like that was that was really cool um if you don't really have much else to say i was gonna say why don't we quickly talk about what we're expecting for season two and then wrap it up yeah. you want to start uh yeah so so as far as i understand season two so I was so I I've been all over the place with season or my thoughts on season two because um, season two initially when I heard that because here's what I heard initially they're applying like five seasons of this and I'm like that's great we get five seasons of this stuff but unfortunately I think Diego Luna's like he doesn't want to do five seasons of this so they made it into two so like the fact that they're gonna is my thought initially was if they're gonna cram in four years of stuff into a season whereas it took one year of all of this happening right i was like okay it might feel rushed but with the way they've structured they created the structure where it's like three episodes per per arc to get to um your your like that's how they did in andor obviously like three episodes per arc i feel like that's what they're gonna do in season two three episodes are gonna equate to one year so whatever three first three episodes are going to be four bby next three episodes are going to be three bby two bby so forth and so on right and like obviously i trust the people who are working on ender so i like that's why i've been a little bit more mellow on it but yeah th- those are my thoughts on like if i think ender season two would be good but in terms of like what i think might happen is obviously i think 
we'll get more explanation or more development on like Bix, Deidre, like some of these other smaller supporting characters. We'll, I think we'll get a little bit more, um, not, well, I guess development in some way. Yeah, you'll get progression. But I think the main one we'll get in terms of like some of the side characters will probably be Luthen. I think Luthen will be the one where it's like you'll find out more about because we didn't really learn his backstory or like why he's part of the rebellion. We just know he sacrificed a lot. We know that we know what kind of person he is through his action, but we don't really know why he is this way or what became. Now there's theories that he might be a Jedi. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. there's theories that he might be a Jedi. So the reason I say this is because um, so one there's a couple of reasons I think some people fan theories, right? But there's one. Do you remember the the monologue scene he was giving? There's one thing. He mentioned he woke up to an equation he wrote 15 years ago. 15 years ago almost lines in line when when Order 66 happened, right? So he's been around even before Order 66 happened, right? Obviously, and then not to mention, doesn't he have like a um, some sort of weapon or something? Some sort of stick or something? Or I don't know. He, he might. But there's rumors that he, he was in a robe he's in a robe as well, right? In that monologue. So there is rumor that he might be a Jedi. So for all the people complaining, oh, there's no Jedi in the, you never know. But I think the other thing that's also gonna happen is I think he's gonna die. I th- yeah, I, th- I think it's a given because we don't see him enough so far. Well, duh. But like, like we're not gonna see him. Die. But if he does die, which most likely will, at least erect a shrine in his name. <laughs> like, cause dude, the more I look at this, the more I'm like. The more I look at Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewie, and all that, I'm like, y'all don't really deserve those medals. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, seeing the pain that these guys went through, I'm like, these guys far deserve any more medals than y'all do. The whole point of the show is about unsung heroes, heroes that yeah. don't get recognized, heroes that don't even call themselves heroes because they're just the everyday man, but they just become more and more involved as they go on, right? The only reason Luke... If he didn't have, like, oh, just because he has the Force and he's related to Anakin, that's it. This whole Chosen One thing. No, don't give me that. Luthen is the one who probably deserves most of the credit. That's why I want to see a shrine in his name. And then same thing with Andor. If it wasn't for Andor, none of this would have happened because they wouldn't have the Death Star plans. But that's the thing. You want to see a shrine, but that's never really going to happen. The whole point is that... I can't look at Lucas. I'm sorry. I know. I'm just saying that, like, it's... Even if it does, if it does happen, that's cool. Whatever they deserve it, but just because they deserve it doesn't mean it's gonna happen, right? It's all about like. Because in my mind, it's like okay, yes, we know, like Luke and all, like we get it. They helped blow up the Death Star and they landed the finishing blow, and they helped turn Darth Vader over. Yes, but they didn't. They they did not have to go through the turmoil that these people had to go through. That's all I'm saying. No adversity, no struggle compared. If anything, Luke in episode 5 was just a big baby. Okay. Um. So for me, when going into season 2, I want to say that I have almost no expectations because I want to go in just as blindly as I did in season 1. It's impossible now that I've seen season one, but I don't have any theories. I don't know where things are going to go, and I want to keep it that way. That's my personal opinion. Hold on. Give me a sec. Um, what I will say, though, is knowing how amazing the writing has been, the storytelling and all that in season one, I do like my only real expectation is that I want that to continue and I want it to have a satisfying enough ending for our characters and the journeys and stories that we've been following. 
Agreed. Totally agreed. Um, I have my theories, but I'm not one of these people where it's like, oh, my theory didn't come to true. Oh, the show sucks. No. Um, so if it, if it happens, and I think the show has already set itself up in a way where it's like, if it happens, okay, cool. If it doesn't happen, okay, cool as well. So like, they can go either way and I'd be fine either way as a viewer because they've mellowed my expectation what to believe and stuff. Because like, for example, that whole Luthan Jedi theory has been so subtle that if it happens, you'll be like, okay, these were the seats. If it doesn't happen, you're like, okay, it was very subtle anyways. It wasn't going to go anywhere. So I'm, I'm totally fine with that. The, the other thing I'll say is that like, these are my final thoughts basically. But the other thing I'll say is I'm going to enjoy this. Like, this is one of those things I've realized, like now that I've seen Mandalorian season three or a couple of episodes of it, it's just, and seeing that, no offense, it's just not as good as Andor. I think I've realized that I'm going to appreciate Andor when season two does come out because I don't think we're going to get anything like this anytime soon in terms of quality for Star Wars. So I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. So, yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, unless somehow these new Star Wars projects that have just been announced that Star Wars Celebration end up being of this quality, it doesn't have to be the same tone or same material or anything like that. But if they are of this quality, it would be amazing. But I, I sh- I'm going to keep my expectations very, very low for that, which, like you said, would, makes me want to appreciate the upcoming season for Andor even more. One last thing. If all of the stuff we said you did not pay attention to at all, I have one thing that probably might get you to watch this. I have a friend who's who's a big Star Wars fan. Like he likes all the extended universe stuff. Um, he likes the original like uh, Force Unleashed. Like he likes all those games. Like everything before Disney, he loved. Right? He hasn't really liked any of the Disney stuff. He thinks like they haven't been nearly as good as like some of the original stuff, except for like Rogue One. So like even he he saw this show and he was like, yeah, this show is great. So like for someone who's like a fan of Star Wars to end up liking it, I feel like you'll probably end up liking it too if you if you're on the edge or skeptical about whether this will be good so and not just if you're a star wars fan even if you just want to watch some high quality television you don't need to know a lot about star wars to watch this show you just understand that there is a fascist system that is being that needs to be taken down and these are characters that are trying to find their way to in order like to do that yeah, it doesn't have to be called Star Wars. It literally could just be. It's just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence that it happens to be in the Star Star Wars universe. Um, I also just want to give like quick major props to the writing team, the cast, the crew for creating such a quality show. Um, they deserve their flowers through and through. Yep. What they've done here is so. Yeah, and there's, yeah. It, what they've done is like i didn't even know star wars could be this good like i feel like a third eye has opened up so obviously like i just now obviously it just creates this craving of you know us wanting more i want to see more and you've already been comparing everything star wars or non-star wars to this yes. show now so that's it's a testament to how good it is. exactly and i personally bro i haven't seen you this excited about a show in a very long time and i remember when you were watching it like he said i had to convince you quite a bit to get through the first couple episodes but once you were in you were locked in yeah, so like so i yeah so i i would hope that that would be the same journey for anybody else that's looking to maybe try this show out 
give the first couple episodes a chance it's set up it might be a bit slow but i promise you especially once you get to episode three it starts pick it starts revving up slowly and by the time you get to like especially like that third arc episode eight nine ten you're in it just like cassian you're i love that the viewer's journey is like cassian's where you're hesitant in the first couple episodes you, you start warming up in episodes four to six and then you're locked in from like episodes eight to the end i don't know if that's what they i don't know if that's what they intended but it works right great allegory so um yeah so this is going to be the end of our andor review please uh go watch the show on disney plus as soon as you can it's there's a reason why everyone's raving about it and you've heard all our reasons about it um let us know if you've seen it if you know after listening to our review um please follow us on instagram at post credit club and find us on all your favorite podcast listening platforms such as spotify apple music google podcasts Castbox, etc we will be there thank you so much everyone and have a great day and we'll see you next time bye bye bye